Micah chapter 5, verse 2 is a passage that more than likely is familiar to, to everybody here. It's a, a prophecy that's in the Old Testament, a prophecy that was given n- nearly a millennium before the birth of Christ. And so you have the, this, this prophecy that, that comes forth saying, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting, from everlasting. We have a passage here before us that makes reference to this little town of Bethlehem. The least likely of places. The reason why God brings it up is it's the least likely of places. You, you are little among the thousands. You, you, you're not Jerusalem. You're not Rome. You're not Alexandria. You, you are Bethlehem, the least likely of places. And yet, a God of grace is going to use the least likely of places to bring a Savior to the least likely of people, the unworthy, the empty-handed, the wretched sinners in desperate need of unending grace. That is what God is going to do. The one to come forth from Bethlehem would be the ruler in Israel, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as Scripture teaches us. And where he comes forth from is of old. It's from everlasting from from everlasting in this passage before us we we have many things to be amazed at as we read this passage one is that nearly a millennium before god's saying there is going to come one that is going to be a savior and and it is going to be one who comes from bethlehem um to be able to go into luke 2 as pastor jim read earlier and see that caesar augustus said that the whole world should be registered. And so you see Mary and, and, and Joseph, and they went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to a little city, the city of David, called Bethlehem. God uses that. God uses the, the, them being registered to say, okay, you're leaving where you're going, and you have to go to this particular place. And they go to that place, even though she's very, very pregnant. And... The reason why was because God was going to say, make it so that from this city, given a millennium before, I'm going to make it so that the Virgin Mary comes and gives birth to the Savior in that city. One that would come who would be a Savior. And yet, the biggest miracle of all is not that there'd be one that would come into Bethlehem. Not even that a child would be born. The biggest miracle of all is that there would be a Savior who would be given, and it would be Christ the Lord. The one that would come would be the one that would come from everlasting. I met with Pastor Bill last or week and a half ago, and Pastor Bill is one of our pastors here. He's been with us since we started our church, and he's now 96 years old, almost 97. And but, but what a precious, precious man he is. At this point, he is unable to get out of bed anymore. He, um, 
says that his, his body is, is, is so weak now, and yet his mind is so strong. And I met with him, and he said, so you have Christmas coming up, Christmas. And his response was, isn't it amazing that the one who created all things, the one who created the galaxies, the millions and millions of stars, is the same one who laid in that manger. Isn't that amazing? We just talked about it. How amazing is it the, the one who created everything that exists? The King of kings and the Lord of lords is the same one that laid in a manger. When you think about Christmas, we think of the birth of Christ and we think of a Savior who's given to us, and we think of the Virgin Mary and the shepherds, and we think of the wise men, and we think of all that, that was taking place at that particular time. But the thing that, that should capture all of us is the fact that it is Christ the Lord. It's the creator of all things. Laying in a manger. Hebrews 1 in verse 10, it tells us, You, Lord, referring to Christ, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. You'll never end. But you, you are the one that laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. The power of Almighty God to lay the foundations of this world and to create all of the galaxies that exist. He is the one. Jesus identified himself as the eternally existing one, the source of of all things. He made it very clear that in Exodus chapter 3, when God says to Moses, I am who I am, that that was Christ who was speaking of. He is the I am who I am, the eternally existing one, the source of all things. There's a picture in, in the book of Revelation where there is Christ, and it tells us he's like, one like the Son of Man, and he's clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. And his head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him... I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Think of who our Savior is. The one lying there in the manger is the same one in whom, when John sees him in heaven, he's looking upon him and he's saying, he's got this garment down to his feet and this golden band across his chest and his hair is white like wool, white as snow. His eyes are like a flame of fire. 
feet like fine brass. His voice like the sound of like rushing waters, many waters, power of God. His countenance like the sun shining in all of its strength, just the brilliance of the glory of Christ. To where John, just looking upon him, just looking upon a Savior like that, falls down like a dead man. Just collapses in front of God, faints before him because it's too much for him to even look upon. The one in whom the angels would cry out, Holy, holy, holy. The one in in whom we, we look at Scripture and it tells us that He is all powerful. can be at all places at all times. He knows all things. He doesn't ever change. He's perfectly holy in all of His ways. He's the one that is there saying to John as he reaches his right hand on him, saying, don't be afraid. Pick some up. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I am the first and the last. Radical. I'm the first and the last. I am the one that was being talked about in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, where he is the one who is from everlasting He has always existed. And He is there, come to earth, laying there in a manger. Right on cue. We have a little baby just making sounds. Thank you for bringing that precious child. You you, you think of, of, of a Savior there making cries like that. The most vulnerable of states, right? We have a little baby coming, number four, coming in March. <laughs> Stresses me out to think about it. You get the, the, <laughs> the reason why is because we, we are at, the Otsuji family is at a point where it's like, go downstairs this morning. Your mother was up all night wrapping presents. Go downstairs. Make food for you and for us. Go downstairs. <laughs> It is possible at this time to do that. And they all go. After many threats. They go. Those days are over come March. Over. There is going to be one fully, completely dependent upon us for everything. For everything. And you think of a Savior. Christ, the king of kings and the lord of lords the one who created everything coming in in, in in total humility to this little town of bethlehem the least amongst the thousands and being there laid in a manger because there's no room in the inn that is the god of this universe the one in whom he we serve Became man. We see in Scripture that He is one who tells us, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Revelation 19, verse 16 tells us that on His robe and on His thigh a name was written saying, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
He upholds all of the universe, Scripture tells us. He can calm a storm. The wind and the sea obey Him. He can multiply the fish and the loaves. He can turn water into wine. He could tell the Jews, destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And then He could conquer sin and death as He's crucified and raised from the dead three days later, just as He said. Philippians tells us, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those of, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Revelation 5 verse 11 tells us, John says, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands. There is a sea of tens of thousands of angels. And they are saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever this is the way in which everybody responds to him everybody ten thousands times ten thousands thousands and thousands of angels everybody who has been Created there in heaven and on earth and under the earth, everywhere, we're told are saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He is worthy of all of those things because He is the creator of all that has ever existed and He is the one who gave His life for us. He did it all. From beginning to end, he upholds all things. There is not even a bird that falls to the ground apart from his will. We serve a God in whom there is not one molecule in this universe that is outside of his control. And he became an infant. Laid there in that manger. He is the one in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells, Scripture tells us. He is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. It had to be that way. It had to be, if we were to be saved, it had to be that Christ came. We're told in Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Millennium before Christ came, a child is going to be born. It makes it so clear in Scripture that there is one in whom he is from everlasting, the creator of all things at the same time scripture tells us that there is one who is coming and it will be a child who is born one that would be a son that would be given he would be human fully human yet at the same time fully god 
You go through Scripture and you see it over and over again. The Savior would come and it would be God with us. A Savior would become. He would be the creator of all things. He would be the one who is from everlasting and yet He would be born. A son would be given. He would be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It wasn't that there was just this idea that came in to God's mind 2,000 years ago in which he said, I think I'm going to give my son because i got no other choice. No, this was planned from the beginning. From the very beginning, a plan of God becoming man, being laid in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem so that he might save us. We see that Christ was not only born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger, but he was also tempted in all things. Tempted in respect to all forms of temptation, and yet was without sin. He hungered and thirsted, even fasting for 40 days. It's radical to think about. The creator of this universe coming and saying, I will fast for 40 days. 40 days. Every once in a while I get inspired to do some kind of thing to make myself not so chubby. And, and th- there's some that are like horrific. Like one where you drink some juice that is made from nastiness and, and you drink it every day and I, 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 if I ever smell that again, I, I, will, I will die right there on the spot. It, they're like, this is amazing. You lose incredible weight, but you could have like two almonds and this gross, gross little wafer every once in a while. That's like, you know, like if you get hungry, have two almonds. The, <laughs> of course you're going to lose weight. And, and I, I just think like... <laughs> Like the idea of that, you know, for like a week, is clearly I don't want to do it. Clearly. And, and so you, you think about that, and then you think of 40 days. 40 days. Christ knew what it was to be hungry, and he knew what it was to thirst. Scripture tells us that his soul was troubled. His soul was sorrowful even to the point of death. He prayed to the Father with loud cries and tears, Hebrews 5 to 7 tells us. We know in Scripture that tells us that the Lord wept. Isaiah 53 tells us that He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him and by His stripes we are healed. Whippings that would take place. He was oppressed and He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He had to be man. Suffered in incredible ways. There had to be a Christmas if God was to bring salvation to sinful man. There had to be. He had to be God. Only the perfect, holy, eternal, infinite God could bear the full permanent penalty for our sins. No finite being could ever pay such a price. You could not pay it for yourself and you could not pay it for anybody else. 
It had to be gone. From the beginning of Scripture to the end, we find that salvation is of and from the Lord. Our Savior had to be God. And yet Scripture is also clear that He had to be man. We see that He would be the one who was tempted in all things, and yet without sin, without sin, fulfilling all righteousness. He had to become man so that he could die to pay the penalty for man's sins. He had to become man so that he could bleed. From the very beginning, when you see those tunics made for Adam and Eve from the animal skins to Cain's offering being rejected and Abel's offering being accepted because it's a blood sacrifice to the whole sacrificial system, to the blood that's put there upon the lintel and upon the, the doorposts. Shedding of blood for the remission of sins. All the way through Scripture, he had to become a man so that he could become the precious Lamb of God whose blood would be shed so he could take away the sins of the world. Hebrews 2.17 tells us, in all things he had, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. It had to be. There's people who would prefer to think about Christmas and think about, I love Christmas. There's Christmas trees. It's the season of giving. We get gifts. We give gifts. I love Christmas time. Sing Christmas carols and go and visit a nativity scene. And Christmas is amazing. I love Christmas. And you could think that way. But you could reject or try to reject that it's not just Christ that came and was laid there in the manger, but he is the one who created all things. He's the sovereign one who controls the universe. He upholds all things. He is the one that all of history has been looking forward to, and he came, and he lived a perfect righteous life. He fulfilled all righteousness, and he died for your sins. Died for your sins. Buried there for three days. Rose again from the dead ascended up into heaven and is at the right hand of the Father and he will reign forevermore. He is the one who says that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He is the one who separates the sheep from the goats. He is the one who will judge all things. He is the one who will say to some, depart from me, I never knew you. He is the one who does that. We can't take him at Christmas time as a cute little infant laying there in a manger and reject him as the sovereign God of this universe. He is both. We can't take him as this little baby laying in a manger and reject him as the one in whom died on the cross so that sins might be forgiven. Radical. Think of this, your Savior. 
took sin upon himself. It's no small thing that took place. The wrath that you deserved for all eternity, the very wrath of Almighty God. The Bible talks about the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. The just wrath that we deserve, that every man that has ever existed deserves, was placed upon Christ as he hung there on that cross. So that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You go to stores today and it's the politically correct thing to say happy holidays. It's a politically correct thing to call them holiday trees. It's a politically correct thing to try to to change Christmas carols so that they aren't so Christ-centered or not Christ-centered at all. And yet I read that 89% of people in America celebrate Christmas. 89%. They look at this particular holiday and they say, it's Christmas. We celebrate Christmas. Not happy holidays, we celebrate Christmas, 89%. But the bigger question is, is do those 89% of those people not only celebrate Christmas, but celebrate him who has been from everlasting. From everlasting. Take the the entirety of Christ, holy in all of his ways? Do they take him as the one who became man, lived a perfect life, suffered and died and rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven and who will judge the earth? That is the one in whom laid there in that manger. He's the one in whom we must all give an account. This all-glorious one, the ancient of days, the one who humbled himself and became a man, the one who died for us and then was exalted in all of his glory, one day, as believers, we will be with him in glory and it will be for all eternity. I was reading in Scripture of, of, of just the preciousness of our Savior, where in communion, the first communion, it tells us that he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the, covenant, of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the, transmission, or for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, that may not seem like a big deal to you, but to me, as I was reading it this weekend, I thought, how awesome is it that we will be in heaven and we will be with him? The one who's been from everlasting, the holy and exalted one, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who laid there in that manger and grew in wisdom and suffered and died and rose again, and we will sup with him. We will eat and drink with him. Revelation 19.9 says that it was written, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those who are called to that marriage supper of the Lamb. 
eating and drinking with him, being with him. The one in whom laid in that manger. We're told that a loud voice came from heaven in Revelation 21, 3, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. That is our God. That is what He is like. A God who we will be with Him and He will be with us and He will wipe away every tear and He will make it so there's no more death and no more sorrow and no more crying, no more pain. He says, I make all things new. He can do that. He can create all things. He can sustain all things. He can make for Himself a people And he is the one in whom can say, I make all things new. I can change everything. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the one in Micah in whom it said is from everlasting. I'm the beginning and the end. And I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. May today be the day if you have only looked upon him as a baby lying there in a manger. May today be the day in whom you look at him as much more than that, for he is much more than that. The creator and sustainer and the redeemer, the one who is from everlasting, and he will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Do you thirst this morning? Thirst for him. Find yourself satisfied in him. Find yourself satisfied in that one who laid there in that manger and made a way for you to spend all eternity with the God of this universe himself. The miracle of Christmas, true, it is that Christ came. But even more so, the one who came is the one who's from everlasting. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that it's an absolute miracle that the one in whom created all things became a man and dwelt with us. It's an absolute miracle that that you suffered and you died for us. He rose again from the dead that we might be able to drink freely from the fountain, the water of life, because you have made a way. May we be in awe this Christmas season of who laid there in that manger 
May we not just picture a little baby, but may we picture the God of this universe, the creator of all who gave himself for us. And may it stir our hearts to worship you both now and forevermore. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.